0: They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach & Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com.
1: It's Friday, December 11th. I'm Akila Hughes.
2: And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is, what, a day where we're requesting that Disney Plus puts Jabba in all 10 of its new Star Wars shows.
1: Yeah, but I don't want to stop there. I want him also to be in all of the new Pixar features and all of the basic shows on pretty much every other streaming platform.
2: Yeah, Jabba should be the main character and showrunner of everything on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything that I see that doesn't have Jabba in it in the next couple of years, I'm going to cry. On today's show, a conversation with Alexis Madrigal, who co-runs the COVID Tracking Project, then some headlines.
1: But first, the latest. Yesterday, the FDA's Vaccine Advisory Panel voted 17 to 4 to approve emergency authorization of the Pfizer-BioNTech coronavirus vaccine. It is a big, big step and means that the FDA is almost certainly going to authorize it imminently. From there, an initial shipment of about 6.4 million doses is expected to be sent out across the country. Half will be the first doses and the other half will cover the second dose for the same individuals three weeks later. The Pfizer trial will reportedly continue and there will be more observations for safety concerns. Pfizer said that they plan to apply for full approval in April after six months of safety data has been collected. At this point, emergency authorization would clear the way for at-risk individuals like healthcare workers and nursing home residents to begin getting shots. Also, next week, the FDA will review Moderna's vaccine data.
2: Yeah, hope we go two for two. And this is coming as we face an increasingly drastic situation in the United States. Mm -hmm. This week brought the new single-day record in COVID fatalities exceeding 3,000 people. There is continuing growth in cases and hospital capacity is a major issue in many parts of the United States, with more than 100,000 people hospitalized across the country as we speak. So the expectation is that this will only get far worse as we see the full brunt of holiday gatherings. One of the main sources of reliable data throughout the pandemic has been the COVID tracking project. We have referenced it over and over on the show, and you've probably seen it a zillion other times in news stories. It's a daily dashboard of COVID data created by journalists at the Atlantic in the absence of good, accessible federal numbers. Back in March, when it launched, we spoke to Alexis Madrigal, one of the co-founders. And now that we're at the deadliest point we've seen in all of the pandemic, we wanted to catch up with him again to talk about the current numbers, how we measure where we are at, and where we go from here. Here's that conversation.
1: Alexis, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, there are so many different metrics to keep track of. At first, it was how much we were testing. Then there was all of the testing positivity rate stuff. Then daily cases, now hospitalization numbers are the big numbers to pay attention to. So what numbers do you keep your eyes on that, you know, can really tell us how we're doing?
3: Yeah, I mean, we really do. We watch the hospitalization numbers really closely. Um I think, though, more than you would think, cases really do matter. Like, I I, I think that we wanted uh, different times of pandemic to want to say really complicated things about, like, well, maybe like the age brackets and the blah, right. but like, but in the the bulk, a lot of cases means a lot of deaths, and mm-hmm. one of the things that has really come across clearly in, like, say, since July is that the relationship between cases and deaths has been pretty steady. Basically you take a case number and you multiply it between one and a half and 2% and that's how many people are going to die. And it may be on the low end, it may be on the high end, but it's been in that bracket since July. And I think that is something that people haven't really gotten, gotten yet in Mm. part because there's been so many different, um, Stories about how much treatments have improved, and you know, you see individual people, you know, uh, be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that is true, treatments have improved, and you know, 95% of the people who get it are 98 and a half percent of the people who get it are going to be fine, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's still just like, man, it's a lot of people dying, yeah.
2: And mm-hmm. one more on this sort of topic of, uh, you know treatments that we were talking about and, and kind of increased medical knowledge at this stage in the pandemic. How has that impacted fatalities overall? You're talking about sort of that rough um, modeling that you could do based on cases. And does that show up when you're sort of crunching all of this in the data?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is like if you look at spring and then you look at summer and beyond like spring was a lot worse Like you didn't want to get COVID in the spring Um, And just you know of the people that went into hospitals like just fewer of them came out and the death rates are much higher And we couldn't confirm the cases and there were you know, too many people were being put on ventilators and there's a whole series of things And you know doctors have been working hard nurses have been working hard just people to, to understand what to do um the the problem is just like the improvements really like flatten mm. after that, and um, I think the thing that's most worrisome right now, this guy named Ashish Jha, who's the dean of um, Brown's uh, Public Health School, and even looking at the numbers, looking at our current hospitalization numbers, and saying like, you know, of the number of cases. Fewer people are now being hospitalized than in the past mm-hmm. and his hypothesis uh, That is backed up by a lot of like reporting and, and anecdotes is that hospitals are tightening their admission criteria mm-hmm. so someone who is who is a certain amount sick <laughs> in October would have been admitted into the hospital that same person with the same vital signs the same everything is now being sent home Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: obviously if you're tr- if you're you know on your deathbed for with COVID, they're going to admit you. Right. But it's those cases that are kind of on the on the edge where um, some people are going to be sent home, and and that is worse care. You know, there's kind of there's no way no way around it. Um, so what's really wild, like the upshot of that is, even with the enormously high hospitalization numbers we have, you know, over 105,000 people in the hospital, um, there really should be more. Yeah.
1: Um, wow, that's a really good point. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, we're all moving towards vaccinations, which is exciting. <laughs> but are you planning at all to capture some of the data about how many people are getting vaccinated? Do you have any sense of how or whether you'll be able to get that kind of information?
3: I think we're not going to do the data entry part of it this time. Um, I think what we are going to do is we're going to do a lot of research on the ways that what states report is not always um Is not always equivalent or comparable because we have been talking with people who are responsible for doing some of this like vaccine registry reporting what's going to go on the dashboard and all that kind of stuff and it really 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 seems like it's going to be an almost like identical problem set from the one that we have now Mm -hmm. we're basically like every state's going to do their own thing yeah um, some states are
1: going to gonna try not to do a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right.
3: That's definitely been awesome part of it. Um, yeah. And and the one thing you can bank on, though, like really, honestly, this is like depressing thing to say, is that some states are going to do a pretty fine job, both of like vaccinating people, having a program, making sure that, you know, uh, people who are at, at higher risk really get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. All the things. Right. Right. Um, And then some states are just going to do a shit job. And it's not going to necessarily be that state's fault. I mean, some of these states don't have resources. They Mm -hmm. don't have people. They don't have money to do what needs to be done. And the federal government hasn't delivered that, you know? Right. Um, Just among the many failures, it's hard to remember to catalog that one. But, like, that's (laughs) simply one of them, you know? Like, where were they? These people have been asking for money for these vaccination programs. So, like, don't you want to get people vaccinated? Like, it takes money to get to get. The, the needles in the arm. So, um, yeah. that's something that we're, uh, we'll, will also be tracking it's just places that have that, that struggle.
1: Yeah.
2: And before we get there, there is this sort of, uh, holiday hell world <laughs> that we're in to, to put it, uh, mm-hmm. in the bluntest mm-hmm. way possible. Um, you know, where we've sort of seen that these gatherings and the colder weather are kind of continuing to supercharge how awfully bad the pandemic is. We are talking two weeks out from Thanksgiving in about two weeks before Christmas. Mm-hmm. At this point, have we seen the full possible effects of travel and gatherings and how much of yeah. what we're seeing in real time can actually be attributed to just that?
3: Yeah, I, I don't think we're seeing a ton of it yet. I think maybe <sighs> like with cases, you're starting to see the beginning mm-hmm. of, the, of the Thanksgiving stuff. Um, certainly not seeing it with deaths and probably not seeing it with hospitalizations. Um, it, for, for the listeners, the thing that I were like really specifically looking at on this is you've got a lot of these Midwestern states that had actually started to decline and hospitalizations have started to decline. Um, What we're expect to see, I would say, is that that will change. Um, And then you got to, the other thing to really remember, right. Is like, there's, there's all these people get together on Thanksgiving and and travel and all the other stuff. And there's a set of like primary infections. Right. Mm -hmm. But then the numbers really start to grow when those people then go and infect the other people the secondary infections. And then the next one out, the tertiary infection. So those secondary tertiary things are going to be happening basically right as people are preparing to travel for Christmas or traveling or seeing people. Right. So it's going to be like, and those are the people who are going to be like, Hey, I stayed home. I didn't do like, they're, Mm -hmm. they didn't. That, they didn't get infected on Thanksgiving. They got infected by someone who did get infected on Thanksgiving. Yeah, and the way that that's lining up with the thanks with the uh, holiday travel schedule around Christmas is is pretty gnarly. I mean, um, it, it's just like. It's, it's exactly basically exactly the thing you would not want to have happen. Right. Yeah. That's really what it is. Like like if you were to just draw it up, like what's the shittiest thing that could happen <laughs> between you know everybody, that gets, together. Yeah. everybody <laughs> gets together. Yeah. Everybody gets together. Yeah. And exactly that interval. You know, mm-hmm. it's um it's pretty gnarly. So um yeah. So we'll we'll keep you updated on that.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well. You know, looking forward, do you think that this sort of data reporting and transparency is going to change in the new administration? I mean, I know that I think it probably will, but um, mm-hmm. you know, do you think it'll have? I guess if it does come to fruition in that way, do you think that it'll have a positive change or affect mm-hmm. anything at all? Given all of this, you know, distrust that people have of the government because the Trump administration handled this so poorly.
3: Yeah, right. Uh, I I do think they're going to do. A better job, particularly on the presentation side. Yeah. I think that like there's almost no doubt that they'll have like some federal dashboard that will be uh, pretty useful and and interesting to people. I mean, the, the CDC has a thing called they call the COVID tracker. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who uses it because no. it's it's mostly filled with useless statistics. Yeah, like yeah. there are things that are not helpful for people who are actually trying to understand what's right. happening right now in their life. They may be useful in the long term as an archive of the things that happen, but it's not designed yeah, it's not for practical. consumption of human beings. <laughs> right. You know, it's not media in that way. You yeah. know, um, I mean, the Biden's uh, coronavirus advisors have said that they use COVID tracking project among other media sources, not not the official, you know, not the national government website. Right. Then uh, I think the thing I'm worried about, honestly, most on the data side is like the the truth is the teams at HHS. I think have been doing a, a very good job, but they're associated with uh, uh, dr Burks yeah. they're associated with yeah. the coronavirus task force they're associated with the trump administration and if people aren't careful about which parts that they jettison and which parts they keep, and yeah. all these great new things which we're just getting a hold of, might go away and i, I that's something I'm like very legitimately worried about um, because it, t- it has taken a lot of work to get to this point. So yeah, so that's what that's what I'm actually worried right. about like on a day-to-day basis and, um, and working to make sure that like people who are coming in from the Biden administration know that this stuff is important. Yeah. And that there were good civil servants who were just longtime people who served all kinds of administrations like at HHS who did a good job. And yeah. Um, yeah. You
2: just Aww. gotta figure out how to like delineate the separate the yeah. wheat from the chaff if in, in essence there were, yeah there were some
3: real assholes also yeah, yeah. i mean <laughs> exactly truly like i mean there some of some some of the things that um the political appointees try to do are just are, are we're pretty horrible you yeah. know yeah and so um yeah that's going to be tough to to do that's exactly right
1: well alexis thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about all this we really appreciate it
3: yeah thanks for having me.
1: That was Alexis Magigal, co-founder of the COVID Tracking Project. We'll put a link to his work in our show notes. All right, so we're going to take a break from Temp Check today because we've got a really special Headlines guest. We'll be back with that after some ads. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. We've got a special guest with us today, writer and comedian, and one of my favorite regular voices on Hysteria. And also just, you know, follow her on Instagram. She's great. Tien Tran. Tien, hey, how
5: you doing? Good. How are you? So good. Better now that you're here. Oh, my God. You said favorite regular voices. I'm going to pocket that forever. (laughs) It's the best. Well, you want to get into
1: some headlines?
5: Let's do it. All right, cool. Um, Okay. British drug makers have unlocked their inner artsy older brother, seeking and receiving approval for a clinical trial of DMT as a treatment for a depression. DMT or dimethyltryptamine is also known as the spirit molecule because it induces powerful trips. As we all know, yeah. it's, one of the, it's one of the active ingredients in ayahuasca, which has long been used by shamans in South America, but has been used more recently in Silicon Valley by entrepreneurs hoping to hallucinate new app ideas, <laughs> which sounds like my worst nightmare. They don't need to be, <laughs> they don't need to be told their ideas are incredible. But that's right. Uh, the, <laughs> The designers of the British study were inspired by trials of psilocybin, the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, which showed that psilocybin could reduce depressive symptoms for four weeks. Like in the shroom trials, the DMT study will require patients to take the drug, experience cool visuals, and try to describe (laughs) it. But it just sounds like they're talking about a magic eye poster, (laughs) Mm. which... I don't know about you But I could never Figure those out <laughs> I think you I would look, look at those close. You have to be close I, I think I and would look back at those away. And be like Yeah I see three dolphins For sure We're all seeing the same thing We're all seeing three <laughs> dolphins Right yeah, Of course <laughs> Uh, and then immediately go into a therapy session. One British pharma exec compared the DMT plus therapy combo to shaking up a snow globe and then letting the flakes settle, okay. which I guess is how scientists talk about the brain once they've experienced ego death.
3: <laughs> the,
5: company hopes snowflakes. <laughs> the company hopes their study will change minds about the therapeutic potential of once stigmatized compounds.
1: You know, this is exciting news, but I'm also terrified, and I don't think I'm going to try it. All the people in this
2: study are named Joe Rogan. That's I'm convinced. (laughs) (laughs) That's 100% what
5: it is. That's true. That's true. Joe Rogan loves it. He does.
1: He's the first one. That man could benefit from some ego death, though. Um, Well, (laughs) another 300-year-old white guy has been canceled. Hallelujah. Uh, It's Johns Hopkins, who founded the Baltimore-based university in 1873 and has long been revered as an abolitionist while he was actually a slave owner. If you're a statue of this man, take scuba lessons. Start making lists of the fish you want to see. Maybe try to make the most of all the swimming that could definitely be in your future. Many U.S. universities have ties to the slave trade, uh, which they have confronted to varying degrees in recent years. Johns Hopkins University has mostly avoided those conversations since it was believed that Hopkins' father freed the family slaves in 1807. What a nice man. <laughs> and Hopkins' Quaker uh, values led him to oppose slavery for the rest of his life. Well, turns out that was based on essentially no evidence. Just a, a fun little fairy tale. <laughs> New research has revealed that Hopkins had enslaved people working in his house as late as 1850 and may never have held abolitionist beliefs. So... Again People just saying stuff Anyway History Was really kind To this old white millionaire We'll mark that down As another weird American coincidence Mm -hmm. This research Was part of an effort By the university To get a better picture Of their founder's life Since a complete bio Doesn't exist Mm. JHU (laughs) officials Say they are doing more To understand their Institution's legacy of slavery Here's a hot tip One shortcut to understanding Is opening the damn checkbooks (laughs) cut the check we don't care Just about his life
5: records.
1: <laughs> i feel like my people made him enough money y'all can throw it back
2: i don't understand they're they're at a university and they don't have access to any sort of like historical documents here yeah, that's kinda wild
1: yes. <laughs> you're you're at a university and you're not good at research yeah yeah okay. you named it after someone that you don't know shit about
4: <laughs> you're
1: seems, like this could be good right seems he sounds like a good man he's a plural
5: first name <laughs> right <laughs>
2: Too many Johns don't make a right. You know, that's what they say.
5: Real. Okay, here's another one. If you want Amazon to make you feel guilty, but not for all the usual reasons, Mm. the company is now selling a smartwatch to encourage healthy living. Mm. Early reviews of Amazon's Halo Band say it works like a Fitbit or Apple Watch, only way more invasive. (laughs) Like a butthole plug? (laughs) One one flagship feature is its voice tone analysis, which records everything you say throughout the day and then uses AI to evaluate your tone of voice with terms like focused, interested, and knowledgeable, but also condescending, sad, and stubborn. This was designed by my (laughs) ex-girlfriend. The goal, I guess, is for you to make the robots who are mining your data think you are a down-ass homie. Definitely (laughs) worth having zero privacy to turn talking into a video game that you can be good or bad at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Halo's key statistic for physical health is body fat percentage, and you will not like the way they calculate it. (laughs) The watch requires you to do a 360-degree underwear photo shoot with your phone... Oh, mm-hmm. my God. 0%. That's that That is outrageous. Okay. Then it sends those photos to Amazon's cloud, nope. and it turns your body into a 3D model. Every step of that is a nightmare. Oh, yeah. AKA the forbidden sim. No. <laughs> uh uh-uh. Oh, my. The model also has a slider to let you adjust your virtual weight so you can see what you'd look like if, for example, you chose to destroy your technology and live alone in the woods for 20 years, living... Only on berries and large bugs. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Alone. I don't know if anyone watches that, but you need more protein than that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not, not enough bugs in the forest? <laughs> not enough. No. The bugs are not enough, okay? Not they actually It's not a balanced diet. If you just do bugs and berries, you will not right. make it. Uh, reviewers <laughs> seem to agree that the Halo band was not the vibe. I could be on board if Jeff Bezos says, this is how he got those Christmas ham-sized arms and beautiful snatched waist.
1: Mm-hmm. That's what everybody says about Bezos. They're like, man, he is rich. He's ripped. He's snatched.
5: <laughs> I don't even. I I have. I don't think I've ever seen a full body photo of Jeff Bezos.
0: Mm-mm. I, he's I'm too, gonna powerful. Be too powerful. He's too to powerful. Too powerful, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You
5: don't get to see it. No. I
1: think he looks like a cartoon wallaby.
2: <laughs>
1: mm. Oh, from like Rocco's modern. He's totally. Like- <laughs> he looks like Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life.
2: He's he's probably he's in the oh, height range for that, right? That's, that's yeah. It, right? Well, if
1: they if the watch would tell you what you look like as a cartoon character from Rocco's Modern Life, that's what he'd get. <laughs> that's the upgrade.
2: Yeah, there's no way I would send an underwear picture to no, Jeff Bezos. I,
5: he doesn't need it.
1: No,
2: he but,
5: doesn't need it. Who I, for like, free? <laughs> in this economy. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, like, I'm barely doing that with, like, my regular mirror that doesn't capture images. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) Okay. Uh, We all know defund the police is a great slogan, but did you know it's also something that people can do? The Minneapolis City Council approved a budget that will shift funds from the police department into other initiatives. The plan, which supporters are calling safety for all, cuts around $8 million out of the city's $179 million policing budget. Wow. And redirects it to mental health teams, violence prevention programs, and other alternatives to policing. Originally, the city council approved a proposal that would have also cut the number of police officers in addition to cutting the budget. But Minneapolis mayor and former catalog guy for American Eagle, Jacob Fry, made it clear that he would absolutely veto the entire thing if they did. So they move forward without the cap. Council members who supported the plan said the city could no longer accept what they call a broken system of policing and a department resistant to reform. If anyone can think of any other police departments in our country that don't function well, maybe this could work for them, too.
1: I have a few that I can think of really yes. quick. Yeah, just a couple. How much time you got?
2: I'm here, here all day. I'll, I'll, I'll hear
1: about it. <laughs> Oh. Well, Tian, it was so great having you. This has been the best.
5: Thank you so much for having me. That was such a joy. Uh, you're wonderful. Well, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm a writer for a Showtime show called Work in Progress. Season one Yay. is available online, and Ooh. season two is coming out soon. It's a great show. Yeah,
4: hell, hell yeah! Yes.
5: Everybody,
1: go watch it. Go support it, and go follow Tian again. She's the best. <laughs> <laughs> follow me on Hank Tina. That's right. Oh, and whoop. those are the headlines. One last thing before we go, if you haven't heard it already, make sure to check out today's episode of Unholier Than Thou.
2: Yeah, Phil is joined by author Alice Hoffman to talk about reimagining Jewish folklore and Crooked's very own John Levitt. Heard of him for the latest installment of their ongoing segment, Am I Going to Hell for This? <laughs> it is a very fun episode just in time for Hanukkah, so make sure to take a listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That is all for today. If you'd like to show make sure you subscribe, leave a review, keep that oil burning for eight days and tell your friends to listen.
1: And if you're into reading and not just the instructions for magic eye posters like me, what <laughs> a day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes.
2: I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and we, we look, look forward, forward to seeing all the, all the Jabba's Jabas.
1: and all of um, his friends.
2: Mm-hmm. Every Jabba buddy,
1: every Jabba squad,
2: every Jabba buddy that's what
1: they're called <laughs> buddies. what a day is a production of crooked media
2: it's recorded and mixed by charlotte landis
1: sonia tun is our assistant producer
2: our head writer is john milstein and our executive producers are katie long akila hughes and me
1: our theme music is by colin gilliard and kashaka